Welcome to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRR. I'm Bobby Howe. Hey, I'm Andrea Sheridan. Nice to see y'all. Wait, you're not Alex Gehring. I'm not Alex Gehring. I am Alex's fill-in. Woo-woo! I just happen to be in the right place at the right time, so... Andrea becomes Alex. And you felt for my guilt trip that I sent you this morning. So we're here on site at Recharge. Woo-hoo. And we have, Alex woke up sick this morning. We're recording three podcast episodes with our Recharge guest. And my very first person that I reached out to was Andrea. I was like, hey, would you like to record a podcast and pretend to be Alex today? And Always, anytime. Always, always. She always has my back. And it's it's really nice because I was sick last week. We were going to St. Louis to teach together. I got <laughs> sick. And so you filled in and did the whole thing all by yourself. And Alex essentially has the same thing today that I had last week. And now you're filling in and doing Alex's no fun. work. Hey, can I not have that thing? Yeah. Can you just not share that with me? Please? We will make sure not to share it with you. <laughs> it's funny. When I got here, I was talking to John Ketchum and he was like, where's Alex? I was telling him, he's like, like a week ago, I had that. And I was like, I had it a week ago too. So it's stay safe, friends, stay healthy. So Andrea, you have been a two-time podcast guest of ours. You were the very first guest we had. And then we just recently did an interview with you, but it was a little bit more exciting, the last yeah. interview we did with you. The weather was much better in Cancun than it is here right now. But <laughs> but see, now Amber gets to be here and to, to suffer with us together. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good. So Andrea, when we had you on... Um, in the podcast this last time, we talked to you about you being a Missouri Realtor president so far this year um, and how that's all going on your plans for the year. But let's talk about you as a realtor, because sure. the first time we had you on, you were KCRER president. And then now we have you on this. We get to actually talk about you as an actual like realtor and not just an amazing leader that you are. So Hot dog. for yeah. people who do not know Andrea Sheridan, which you've been living under a rock, if you do not <laughs> tell us a little bit about your story, how you got in real estate and what your focus is on right now. Yeah. So, um, licensed in 2002, reluctant realtor. Mom was a realtor. I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, ended up, you know, long story, medical story short, she ended up having heart surgery and she's like, get your license. Just help me with paperwork. I said, fine. Um, so I was a elementary music teacher at the time. And so, uh, by the second year of teaching, doing real estate at the same time, I was making more in the summer selling real estate than I was as a teacher. Not that that salary was hard to replace, um, but they were making some cutbacks. So I was like, there was a a more junior, uh, teacher than mine than, than I was, and she was going to lose her job. And I was like, Hey, I got this real estate thing. Let me go do that. Um, just fell in love with just the joy that we get to bring, the wealth building that we get to bring, I um, very much became addicted to this business. And yeah, just it, it went from there. Um, I have an amazing real estate team. It's called the Happy to Help Network. And I, I lead some of the most amazing human beings um, who get to be part of real estate transactions every day. And you do some other stuff too. You want to talk about some of the other things <laughs> that you do? Yes. Um, so I own a real estate school and I do some real estate coaching. So I'll te- I'll, um, coach with real estate agents who are building a team or, uh, real estate, uh, professionals who are growing a brokerage. You know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I believe you and I are such dear, good friends is a, we were destined to be, you know, friends. I, w- I will roll back to that. Uh, but the other part is, is that we both 
to a certain extent, like to just put too many things on our plate and have all these different, I'm not saying masters that we serve, but we like to keep ourselves active and engaged. Do you perform better when you have too many things on your plate or when you have not enough things on your plate? Yeah. So the the saying the busiest people get the most done is so true because you you have to become very dedicated and very specific with your time um, and, and really casting a vision for what you want your life to look like. Like I would never have had investment properties had I not said I want to have 10 properties in 10 years so I can build my retirement portfolio. Um, so it all lives in first declaring what you want. Mm-hmm. And then you work to make that happen. So, yeah, I get m- way more things done when there's a lot on my plate. Yeah. If, if nothing is happening, I start to get a little nervous. <laughs> Same. It's like, you know, uh, I, one of the classes that I teach is I teach that there are four degrees of action. And there is do nothing. There's retreat minimal action or just normal levels of action and massive levels of action. But one of the things that I talk about is that no action at all, especially for human beings like Andrea and myself, actually requires action to not have action. Like I can't just lay on a couch, but you are even more of the never (laughs) stop going. Sometimes I just even see how much you move and go. And I'm like, I'm exhausted watching Andrea. Like you just, there is... I know you're not the Energizer Bunny, but you really are the Energizer Bunny. And you you inspire me to a huge level just because you don't stop. You are always, you know, it's we always talk about hurting cats. But somebody one day said to me, well, Bobby, it's not hurting cats. It's hurting jello because the cat will take a nap in the sun. The jello never stops jiggling. You are the jello. You never stop jiggling and moving and going on. And I'm just I'm really proud of everything you do. And you are an inspiration to someone like me. So are, are we going to have a love fest right now? Because yes. I totally feel the same way. And that's the trap of comparison, though, too, is because I look at you and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's doing all these amazing things. Look at me just slacking over here. Oh God, no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that, it, it's just that beauty of, um, you know, honoring who you are, what you want to do and um, I've had to learn how to rest mm-hmm. because there's this thing called age that's happening. Wait, what? We're getting older? <laughs> Whoa. Right? And, and so the, the energy that it takes to do some of the things that just came to me naturally, um, aren't, it's not the same. Yeah. So you build in these times of meditation and really working on your body. And if you're not protecting this, this temple of the one body that we get, it, we, we lose all of our, our power. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is your health is your wealth. If you don't have your health, none of the rest of this stuff ends up mattering in the end. But it's funny you say that we're getting older and we are totally getting older is I taught for six hours yesterday. Last week, you taught for six, seven hours in St. Louis. At the end of the day, my body hurt so bad. And all I was doing was standing, walking back and forth across the room. But I'm like, why do I hurt so much? Yeah. It's true, though. It's, just, it's, it's you know, the other day I, I pulled something in my neck because I turned wrong while I was sitting on the couch. <laughs> like, I did something weightlifting and I, I was walking like a granny the entire day. I couldn't stand up straight. I was like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> It's very true. It's very true. Poor Amber's over here like, oh, God, the best friends are having, you know, a little obsessed over here. Um, And one of the things that I do need to share with my listeners, because I had mentioned it earlier, is Andrea and I were literally destined to be friends. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, 
one of the ways that we got to know each other was with the company. Um, Andrea's still with them. I'm no longer with the. Well, actually, we started meeting each other with Missouri Realtors Association yeah. stuff, and then kind of came over to the KCRER stuff. We worked for the same company for m- multiple years. Um, it, it was during that time that we discovered, oh, we're both second generation, generation realtors. Our moms were realtors, and then we later discovered that you know um, we both lost our moms. And the meantime, since we've been friends, our moms had the exact same birthday. Um, Our moms were one of four children on dairy farms. And then the the thing that topped it (laughs) all off is we were at a Missouri Realtors Conference um, in Independence. We were at the Stony Creek. We were sharing a room together and we had coffee cups that had little plastic lids on them. And the plastic lid said International Paper Company. And I was like, oh, my dad's company. And Andrea goes, my dad's company. How did you know? And I was like, wait, how did you know that was my dad's company? She's like, no, that's my dad's company. And I was like, wait. At uh-uh. one point in time, our dads worked for the exact same company at the exact same time. So in the town, yeah, th- there was no getting away from the fact that we were going to be, you know, best friends destined for life. Um, it's about time probably to bring on our podcast guest. So today we are bringing on Nate Johnson, who is, I'm so excited for this interview because Nate is a former Missouri Realtors president. You are the current Missouri Realtors president, and I am a future Missouri Realtors president. So it should be exciting to have three it's generations. Be a very presidential meeting. <laughs> it's probably going to be not presidential, but um, <laughs> Nate is a realtor from St. Louis with a ton of experience in our industry, and he served as the president of the St. Louis Association and Missouri, like I said, and there may be some other stuff that may come up from the future. Um, So we want to keep an eye on Nate. So we will go out and get Nate and bring him in with you. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRAR. I am here with special guest co-host Andrea Sheridan. Woo! And Ooh. our guest for this episode, Mr. Nate Johnson. We house. are so excited to have you here with us today back at Recharge here in Kansas City. And you've been on our show before, but for those people who, for whatever reason, did not listen to your episode in 2021, give us a little bit of information about your journey into real estate and what you, maybe what your future holds, what it looks like. Oh, wow. Well, uh, thanks so much for having me today. It's great to be with all of you. Um, I always love coming to Kansas City and participating in this podcast is a, is, a, is a special treat as well. This recharge event that you guys have is insane. I tell you, it's a phenomenal event in terms of the amount of people that come out here. A lot of networking, a lot of talking. People are excited about the market and their business. It's just fantastic. So congratulations and kudos to you for doing such a great job with this. Okay, yeah. Yes, indeed. So a little bit about me. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I got into real estate. This is, believe it or not, my 24th year. Wow. My 24th year. Um, How is and, that possible? You're only 27. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's, it's funny because I thought that it was my 23rd year. And but I it was last year that it was twenty I thought it was my twenty second year mm-hmm. but I thought that it, that could not be right I'm in real estate because if I was celebrating my twenty second year in real estate in 2022 I would have known that and where was I at in 2020 or 2015 all of that so then I realized no that's not right I was licensed in 1999 okay. yes yeah so I got I, I got involved in real estate by accident kind of 
And by accident, because I didn't know any realtors growing up, um, you know, my family never owned a home that we lived in. So we weren't, ex- you know, I certainly wasn't exposed to anybody that was helping people buy and sell real estate. I was actually just kind of bumping around in college, not really having a good time, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, what am I going to do next? Uh, this really isn't my thing. And I met somebody who was a realtor and just got to talking with him about what he does. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a thing, huh? So then I found out about real estate school and it was like, boom, I'm in. So I signed up for real estate school. I thought it was a great way. I was like, I'll become a realtor and I can invest in real estate. That'll be phenomenal. And once I got my license and started helping people, I just fell in love with that help, you know, just fell in love with helping people, you know, achieve the goal of buying their home and selling their home. And, you know, of course I invest as well a little bit, but that's my passions really with the people in terms of helping them. And I just, I wish you all could see Nate's face as he's speaking because he just lights up while he's talking about real estate, while he's talking about the industry, and you just light up in general. Um, Thank you. you. Know, one of the things is you have a lot of energy. We were talking about our energy levels. You are another person like Andrea and myself that probably take on more than we should, but we excel at a greater rate when we have too many things on our plate. Um, another thing that we have in common between you and I is you are a member of our hood to coast running team that we do that 200 mile race that we do every year in August. And rumor has it, you're coming back again this year. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. I'm coming back. I, you know, I tell you, that was such an incredible experience. And, you know, for me, it was, it was really just about pushing myself. I'm not a runner, Bobby, you're a runner. I am not a runner, have never been a runner. And I'll tell you up until, you know, probably two years ago, ago, I had never run more than a mile, maybe a mile and a half without stopping. And, that, and without stopping, meaning that was it. I'd run a mile or a mile and a half and I was done. Mm-hmm. And that was it for me. And that was only because somebody was forcing me to do so. Or, you know, I felt like, okay, this is a quick way to get a little cardio in. But but, you know, when I saw, because I drove for you guys. I was going to say, know, we I, converted you from a driver to a runner, which is amazing. Yeah, I drove for you guys that first year that I went. And I was like, wow, you know, that just, you know, you guys were inspiring. And at the time, it was inspiring in terms of, you know, I'm not going to do what you crazy folks are doing. But what I will do is maybe a little bit more. Maybe I could do a little bit more than a mile, mile and a half. And, you know, I was challenged to do a 5K. I was like, oh, OK, that's like three miles. So I did that and I felt a great sense of accomplishment. And then, you know, did a little bit more. And you don't know this, Bobby, but I was secretly training a little bit for the Hood to Coast the following year. And the reason for that is because I thought that there was going to be a, there was a reasonable shot that I would get asked to run in that race. And I didn't want to be asked to get to run in the race, to be clear. I didn't want to at all. But I felt like if I was asked to run, I couldn't say no you know, and then feel like, and then show up as a driver again, knowing that I had the opportunity to run. Cause I'd already committed to driving the following year. So it wasn't like I got something to do. So I was like, okay. So then when, when I was asked by Colin, I was like, yes. And you know, I said it like with my head down, like, you know, I did, cause I didn't want to do it. But then once I said, yes, I knew I was committed. So mm-hmm. then I, you know, worked on training and all of that. And, you know, thanks to you guys for, you know, giving me the hardest leg in the race, you know, running yeah. downhill at three 30 in the morning for six miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great way to start my start the start today. Two amazing lessons in that one is preparation and opportunity equals success. 
Like you had done some preparation, the opportunity became available. The other thing is that is like you said, I'm not one of those crazy people. And yet. And then you become one of the crazy people. So like that's so a life analogy of when you surround yourself with people who are doing things that stretch you, how you end up stretching yourself because you're surrounded by those people. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah. cool. Yeah. And one of the things that I just loved watching your journey, and to be clear, when he said he ran down a hill for six miles, he ran down the side of a mountain, Mount Hood in Oregon is what he ran down. It's a 6% decline for six miles. It is literally the hardest leg of the entire race, which has 36 legs to it altogether. So let's not undersell ourselves here a little bit with I ran down a hill, you ran down a mountain, man, all right, and trash your quads for like the next three weeks, like watching poor <laughs> Nate try to walk as we were, you know, going to the next stage. We're like, oh, Arvid, because Nate was in a different van than we were. And so like our van, we finally see Nate. We're like, oh, man, we feel so sad for those people in van one. But anyway, um, let's get back into talking about real estate. But I, I knew there would be some leadership lessons in you just being a part of our team and making that transition from driver to runner. But the market is changing and some agents might be discouraged right now. Um, what advice do you have for agents about setting business goals? in an environment where we're not sure what tomorrow is going to look like? Well, that, that's a great question. And in terms of setting business goals, I think that what realtors need to do is really get a lay of the land. They need to understand what the market is doing, what it's been doing, and what does their plan look like based on a variety of different scenarios. If this occurs, what does my plan look like? If that occurs, what does my plan look like? You know, my plan A, B, C, and D, you know, for the maybe four different potentials that the market could shift into. And, you know, by doing that, you're going to be prepared for any reality that, 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 that comes our way. Um, you know, I think that the, you know, the, the, in terms of a, like a one nugget, I would say do more of what you were doing. So if you've been successful in this market, and let's say that you're working with buyers and sellers that were referred to you by, you know, their friends, family members, and coworkers, because we know that over 40%, over 60% of consumers select their realtor based on a relationship. Mm -hmm. So right there, you know where the business is coming from. So 40%, over 40% from a friend, family member, or coworker, and then the other 20% or so because they've worked with them before. So if you're focusing on a relationship-based business, then you just need to do more of that. You need to create more relationships. You need to go deeper with those existing relationships that you have and, you know, redouble and double and double your efforts to do more business because there's going to be more challenges to the business that it does exist. And there also may be a little bit less business because of a lack of inventory there. So you want to make sure that you are looking at the plan that you've created before and saying, okay, this is what's made me successful in the past. What I need to do is more of that. And we can't, you know, we can't, you know, it's, you can't expect the same results by doing the same thing in this market because mm -hmm. the market is shifting so much. You have to do more of it to become more successful and to reach more people to be able to have the same level of success that you had last year or the year before. Something you just said that it's, it's a quote that I just read in a book by Robert Caldini. It's influence the power of persuasion. And one of the quotes in the book is if you want things to stay as they are, you have to change. And it's because the world around us is constantly changing. So if we want to keep the status quo of what we already have, we can't just keep doing the same things we've done before. We have to do things differently in order just to keep what we already have. That's right. So, um, 
one of the lessons that, you know, I just, I absolutely um, love from watching your leadership journey is from being someone who didn't know anyone in real estate to meeting someone who got into real estate to this being your thing. She's like, this wasn't my thing. This is your thing to then going on and becoming the St. Louis Realtors president to then becoming the Missouri Association of Realtors president, which I think we were, were we MAR then or we Missouri Realtors? I don't know. We could have changed our name at some point in time. I forget when that happened. That even may have been during your year. What are some of the lessons you've learned from your leadership journey that you've now applied to your real estate business? If you have. Oh, wow. You know, I'll tell you, those things are, they go hand in hand. There really isn't a separation, quite honestly. You know, when I look at um, being involved in the association, I have this quintuple win that, you know, that, that, you know, really keeps me, that keeps me present, keeps me, uh, you know, that I share with people. And the first win is, um, am I relevant? And what I mean by relevance is, am I doing good work for the association. So is my presence making a difference, a positive difference? Because at the end of the day, if we're not making a difference, we can just go home and do something else. As you said, there's plenty of things that we can be doing and there's plenty of things that we are doing and we can do more of that if we want. But, you know, I find that I have relevance in the association. So when I first started and by just starting, I was asked, like most of us, I was asked to attend a committee meeting by someone. So once I attended that committee meeting, it was, wow, this is what is happening. I didn't know that this is, I didn't know that committees were a thing in our association because quite frankly, the broker that I was working with had a very different approach to that. It was us against them in terms of other realtors. We didn't talk to other realtors. We weren't friends with them. It was like war. They are the enemy. Mm -hmm. And once I attended that first committee meeting, I was like, oh, that's not my enemy. Oh, and then I started to handle my transactions in a different way. Oh, wow. You know what? This goes so much smoother when we're friendly with each other mm -hmm. instead of adversarial. So I had relevance there. I was saying things and my, my voice was being heard. So it, it was like, wow, I'm coming back. I'm coming back again. So that's the number one reason is that relevance. And then the second reason is professional development. I've grown up in this association, in this business, in this industry. You know, when I got my license, I was like 19 years old. So I was a kid, you know, getting involved in this industry and I don't know anything different. So I've now been a realtor longer than I've not been a realtor. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yeah. Um, so, so for me, you know, it was, it was like, okay, how do I you know, learn about different personalities, different communication styles. How do I run a meeting? You know, how do I ask questions in front of people? How do I, you know, make good points in front of people? You know, listening and, and, and you know, modeling what other people are doing that are successful, seeing them in these meetings. So that professional development and having those conversations about, so when you talk with a seller client, you know, what do you say when this comes up? Just these kind of one-off conversations that we have just by being in the room with other realtors who are successful and who have done this before, because here I am a 19, 20 year old kid in a room with, you know, people who have been in the business for longer than I've had been alive at that point. So asking them and getting advice from them has, it was extremely helpful in terms of being able to implement that into my business and really help me grow professionally. And then the third win is the actual business development opportunities, you know, 
referrals, you know, sending referrals to other markets, having people send referrals to me. So that's direct business opportunities that uh, I've been blessed to be able to give and receive, you know, through the years that I've been involved. So that's the third win. And then the fourth win is fun. Um, Andrea, Bobby, you know, I like to have fun. Tell me about and, that. You know, because at, at the end of the day, if it's not fun, you know, if there's not a component of you know, fun in this, then why were we doing it? Like I said before, we could be doing something else. And I firmly believe in, you know, you work hard, you play hard. And, and, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what I do. I embody that for sure. So having fun, you know, I've got some, some, some great friends, you know, in this industry and, um, you know, people understand some of the challenges that I'm going through. And I understand the challenges that they're going through because we're all in the same industry. We're in the same business. We're doing the same thing, you know, maybe slightly differently, depending on where we're at, anywhere in the world. And it's, it's a really powerful experience to, to, to be around people that have that, that, have that shared, uh, shared experience. And then the fifth win is the X factor. And the X factor is you just don't know. You know, you don't know what you're going to be able to provide or what you'll say that's going to have an impact on somebody to help them, not only in their business, but just in their life in general. You don't know what nugget of information you'll get or what um, connection will be made that could change the trajectory of your life just by, you know, being involved in the association and connecting with all of the, the wonderful realtors from whether it be around your local market, around the state market, around the country, around the world. It's phenomenal. So those are my, that's my quintuple win. I love that. You talk about, you know, working hard and playing hard. A lot of the newer agents that I'll talk with, they're like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that when it comes to stuff like lead generation. I just don't like that. What percentage of your day or week would you say you do things that you don't necessarily like to do, but you know that it's going to further your business? Well, that's a tough question for me because I believe in working in my zone of genius. And zone of genius. Oh, I like this. Yes. So um, we've got we've got these four four spaces that we exist in, um, and this is from the book "The Big Leap" by Gay Hendricks. And I actually learned of this this sort of quadrant from a book called "The Fifteen Commitments of Conscious Leadership," which is my favorite book on leadership, and. Um, so, so we've got the zone of incompetence. So the zone of incompetence is that space that we live in where we're just not good at it. You know, we're, there's all, everybody, most people are better at this than we are. So we toil away just trying to get it done uh, because that's just what we're doing. So that's the first quadrant, the first zone. The second zone is our zone of competence. So this is the space where, okay, we can do it. You know, we're fine at it. Some people are better, but you know, we get the job done just fine. You know, we're competent at that. So then we get to our zone of excellence. So the zone of excellence is the space that we exist in where not many people are better than us at this. You know, we're better than most at this particular task or this particular space in our business, in our life. And what happens is that we get comfortable in that zone of excellence and we're comfortable there because we shine. The challenge becomes that we're still spending so much time in that zone of competence and the zone of incompetence that we don't rise to our next level. 
And the next level is beyond that zone of excellence and is our zone of genius. And our zone of genius is the space that we exist in when we are an effortless expert at what we're doing. People have said that we're inspiring in this space. We do this better than everybody. There is very few people that are as good at us, as good as we are at this particular thing. Mm-hmm. So that's the zone of genius. And if we're spending all of our time in excellence and genius, then we're doing great. But the challenge is that most of us spend more time in incompetence, competence, and we taste excellence. And that's where we sort of exist. And if we would spend more time getting rid of the things that exist in our zone of incompetence and then our zone of competence, then it allows us to spend more time in excellence, which then helps us discover our genius. But I feel like that would, I mean, that took time for you to get there, to figure out what you're so passionate about that you are willing to become excellent and then invest the time in becoming a genius at, because you didn't just wake up on top of that mountain, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So in terms of figuring that out, you know, when we look at what is it you're doing? So yes, especially when you're starting out or if you've not found that space, you're doing it all. And one of the things that I advise realtors to do is identify the things that you're not doing well right now, and let's work to figure out how we can outsource those. Let's work to get that off of your plate, because it's taking you an hour to do something that somebody who's good at it can get done in 10 minutes, and it's going to be a heck of a lot better than you and what you were able to accomplish in an hour. So let's figure out how we can get that off your plate. And today, oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities and resources available to get things off of your plate because it's really about leverage. So for me, I'm always, you know, know, when, when I sit down with agents to talk about their business plan, one of the first things that we go over, you know, for a new agent or an agent that's kind of rebooting or just needs to get to that next level, one of the first things that we do is we sit down and we figure out what their hourly rate is. We break it down to determine what they're worth an hour. So these are your goals. We're going to break it all down to how many, you know, you know, buyers you need to work with, how many sellers you need to work with, blah, 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 all of that to get down to what your hourly rate is. And then once we determine what that hourly rate is, what we want to do is say, what I'll tell them is, okay, this is where I want you spending your time. So when you look around and see what you're doing, and if what you're doing is not commiserate with this hourly rate, then you probably need to hire somebody else to do it because you're not effectively managing your time and you're spending your time in spaces that you shouldn't be. You know, I'll say that, you know, you know, you're doing $15 an hour work when your hourly rates $250 an hour. And when people see that in writing, it really helps them say, wow, you know, I need to shift this. I'm doing this $15 an hour work. There's nothing wrong with the $15 an hour work. To be clear, it needs to be done. But the question is, do you need to be doing it? Or is there somebody else that can do it? And quite frankly, is much better at doing it. Yeah. It's in their zone of genius that they're at. That's their wheelhouse, what they're really good at. I want to take some of this, your zone of genius, combine it with your business planning and goal setting. And what elements when agents are making that business plan or setting goals, what are the elements that are things that sometimes agents can just overcome simply by working harder or doing more work? And what are some of the elements that are completely outside of their control and how can they plan against or for that? Well, a lot of it is in numbers. 
in, in terms of if you want to if you want to earn this much money in income, you need to help this many people and at this average sale price. And that's going to result in this amount of commissions for you. And that's going to get you there. So you look at those numbers. So if you say, all right, well, my database has 100 people in it that, um, you know, that I'm talking to. Well, my question is, are you into the groove with them? You know, are you into the groove, right? Because you know, often people say, well, I've got a jillion people in my database, but I'm not communicating with them. And when you really get down to it, it's just names in a database, but it's not people that you're into the groove with, that you're, you know, that you've created that top of mind awareness, the, the people that know you, like you, trust you, and as importantly, remember you. Because if they know you, like you, and trust you, that's great. But if they don't remember you, when the time comes for them to tell, yeah, yeah, exactly. If they don't remember you, then it doesn't matter because you're not going to earn um, the business opportunities that they may have for you. And those business opportunities may not be from them specifically. It's about their friends. It's about their family members, their coworkers and neighbors. And we, we often, we as realtors forget that. We're often thinking that the person sitting across the table is the one who's going to transact business. And that may not be the case. So we have to look, you know, beyond our own sphere and look at the sphere of the the sphere of our sphere, right? Their sphere of influence, because that's where you know we're we're able to reach more people. So in terms of you know in terms of looking at our numbers, what we want to do is say, all right, I want to earn this amount of money. This is my income goals for the year. So these are the amount of people that I'm truly in flow with, that I'm into the groove with, right? Those are the numbers. So I'm going to need to increase that number. So where I'm currently into the groove with. 20 people, if I want to maintain maybe the income that I had last year, then I need to double that number because times are a little bit more challenging. There's going to be less opportunities there. So I need to make sure that I'm into the groove with 40 people now. So these are 40 people that I've really achieved and maintained that top of mind awareness. These are people that are going to tell their friends, family members, and coworkers about how I can help them. So that's what we want to do in terms of that. So where it gets difficult is when people, when it comes down to making those phone calls, because why are you going to make those phone calls? Andrea, you mentioned, you, you know, you said, you know, are there things that you don't want to do that you do? You know, you asked that question. I went off on a tangent and answer the question. <laughs> I know, but uh, we're but, getting back to it. It's full circle. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so yeah, are there things that I don't want to do? Yeah. There's a lot of things I don't want to do because I don't particularly like talking on the phone, so it's very difficult for me to pick up the phone and make, you know, make the calls to people that are in my sphere of influence. But guess what? I know that it's necessary. I know that in order for me to maintain these relationships and further develop those relationships, guess what? You got to talk to people. Yeah. This is real estate's a contact sport, right? You know, you've got to be in touch with people. So for me, what I've done in, instead of saying I'm not going to do that, what I work to do is identify, okay, how can I do that in a way that I feel comfortable with? That's authentic to you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because at the end of the day, Andrea, if I told you, you need to call these hundred people this week, if you're not, if, even if I say your income is going to depend on it, you're probably not going to do it because you don't want to. And if you're, if, and unless that's, unless that, you know, unless you're, unless you're, 
the rationale for doing it is strong enough, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to find an excuse not to do it. And even if your rationale, even if I tell you, you're going to make all your income goals and your dreams come true, if you make these hundred calls, you still might not make them yeah. because of fear, because, you know, of your mindset, you're just not going to do it. So instead of me beating into your head, make the calls, make the calls, if you want to make the money, then how about we look at a different way of connecting with people? And for me, my way of connecting with people is, you know, typically tied to a reason because my challenge is to call you and say, Hey, Andrea, Hey, Bobby, you know, and have my, you know, my, my frog conversation. How's the family? You know, what are you doing for fun recreation? You know, how's work, how's business occupation, you know, and you know, you know, what kind of plans do you guys have in the future? You know, what kind of goals do you have? You know, your family recreation, occupation and goals. It's difficult for me to call Bobby or call Andrea and have that conversation because I don't necessarily want you doing that to me. And I don't want to do something to other people that I don't want them to do to me. And it's like often people on the other end of the phone are like, okay, yeah, I'm good. What's up? What can I do for you? What do you need? You know? So for me, instead of doing that, I like to call for a reason. And my reason is often tied to an event. So we, you know, my group, we, we, um, we uh, tag, tag on to existing events. We don't create the event, but we tag on to an existing event. In St. Louis, we do a lot of trivia. So there's a lot of like, you know, trivia events for like charity. Um, you know, so like the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is having this event. You know, the Susan G. Komen, you know, Foundation's having that event. You know, Autism Speaks has this event and we buy tables for that. Um, often we're buying the table because we know somebody who's passionate about this particular cause and they reach out and like, oh yeah, absolutely we're buying a table. And then what we're able to do with the table, we've got an eight top or a 10 top. We're able to invite people. I can invite my clients and, you know, people in my sphere of influence to have them come out and join us for an evening of trivia. It's a low cost way to make these connections too, because typically a table at a trivia event is going to be two or 300 bucks, maybe a little bit more if I'm sponsoring it or getting the VIP table or whatever. But for a couple hundred bucks, it gives me the opportunity to not only invite eight people, but, you know, do you get everybody to say yes when you call them right away? No, absolutely not. It's a so, fun game. Like, you're just calling through your database. And honestly, sometimes I'm, like, hoping they say no so I can call the next person because I want to yes. see how many people I can get through my list before all of my seats are taken. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so it's, it's great because I call and I say, hey, Andrea, hey, Bobby, how's it going? You know, hey, I wanted to reach out to you. I've got a table for this, you know, for, for trivia, you know, next month, whatever night of the week it is. And, you know, there's going to be no cost to you. I've got a table. It's going to benefit this foundation. I just love to see it. You know, are you you. available? You know, and they say, oh, they're going to say one of two or three things. They're going to say, yeah, that sounds great. We can make it, you know, or they can, or they're going to say, no, we got plans or let me check, you know, with my spouse or my partner and, you know, I'll, I'll get back with you. Okay, great. But no matter what they say out of those three things, my next thing is my frog, Mm -hmm. because now I can ask them, oh, so how is the family doing? You know, so what are you guys doing for fun these days? How's work? How's business? You know, all of those things. So I have that conversation, but I called for a reason. And as, of course, we know, you know, it's not about whether they showed up or not. It's that you ask them and they value that. They love you for thinking of them, for reaching out Mm -hmm. to them and 
you know, I think about that in terms of everything I do in my business. Okay, I'm not going to do it that way, but how will I do it? And, you know, and, you know, how will I do it in an effort to have the same impact, the same outcome? And for our listeners, if you ever need a ringer for your trivia team, you 100% want Nate on your team, because I'm pretty sure any trivia event I've ever seen that Nate's been involved in, he's been on the winning team. So just FYI, I'm just, you know, saying, and it was funny that you brought up all the events that you do, because one of my favorite emails that I get, I think it's like weekly, is I get an email from Nate Johnson of all the upcoming events in St. Louis. And I always know that if I'm ever over that way, I always know everything that's going on. And I would just think what a big value that would be to me if I were living in your community. The last question that I ask every single one of our guests is what else? What else should we have asked you? What else do you want to discuss? What else do you want our listeners to know about anything? Wow, you know, you talked about trivia. You almost want me to go back there, <laughs> but I won't. Go back to the trivia. <laughs> I, I, I won't. Um, you know, what I will say is that excellence is a moving target. And if we want to achieve the level of success that we have in mind for ourselves, then we really have to take a deep look at ourselves and make sure we are you know, building ourselves in the image that is going to create that outcome. Often people say that they want this to happen. They create these goals, but then they don't do the work to fulfill those goals. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, 80%, if you just write it down, then you're going to get there. That's not true. It's you have to do the work. And, you know, most people uh, struggle with that. And I think that people have to be honest with themselves. And that's where accountability comes in. That's where having partners and having, you know, peers that you're communicating with about what your goals are, because they can help you say, is this realistic? Okay, is what you're doing consistent with your goal? And, you know, I heard someone say um, once that, you know, if you what you know what are you commitment what are you committed to okay and people will give an answer what they're committed to okay well is that really what you're committed to because if you have somebody follow you around for a month and write down everything that you're doing what would they say you're committed to because that's what you're really committed to not yeah. what you say you're committed to you're committed to what is you know you're committed to the results based on the actions that you take you know, whether they're in service of that commitment that you said that you have or that goal or not, whatever it is, you're committed to it, your business, your income, you're committed to the income that you currently make, you know, why? Because that's what you make. If you want something different, then you have to commit to that. And that's going to be demonstrated by the results that you get. And that's going to show the commitment that you're actually making. Our coach always said, show me your calendar. I'll see what your goals are. So true. So true. And Adding on to that, one of my favorite quotes is there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in something, you'll only do it when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you'll do it and accept nothing else other than the results. So I always ask people, are you interested? Are you committed into real estate and your goals? So thank you so much, both of you, for being here with me today. This has been so fun just sitting here in this presidential type of room with us. Um, But uh, great presentation today. So thank you for being in Kansas City. Are you going to be at Broker Summit? I am. Yay, yes. This episode comes out the day after Broker Summit. So hopefully some of our listeners have met you at Broker Summit or here at uh, Recharge. So Fantastic. we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks.